0: Morning, everybody. Morning. I think it's my turn. I don't have a text sheet, so I think it's my turn. Is it my turn? It good, all right. So it's good to be with you guys. This is my first time at the uh, new location, and so it's, be- I love what you've done with the place. Uh, if you, uh, for those of you who I haven't met, don't know, you don't know me, I'm Jeff Bills. Um, I'm I'm the lead pastor of Hope. I'm the founding pastor of Hope. Uh, So in three weeks, we're going to be celebrating our 28th anniversary. 28 years ago, November 18th uh, was the first service that we had as a congregation in an elementary school in Voorhees. And uh, so that's you know, at 28, who cares? 25 was a big deal. 26, 27, nobody cares, uh, except for those of us who are around. Some of you here were um, a part of that uh, early uh, experience of starting Hope Church, and uh, so uh, it's a big deal to us. But really, all it means anymore is I'm getting old. <laughs> But what's cool about what's going on here at Mount Laurel is it's a reflection of what we were doing 28 years ago. It's just the same thing. It's a gathering of people um, with a vision and a desire to see um, and to be salt and light to the world. And uh, so what we knew was it didn't matter. It, it, that That isn't true for us just in Voorhees. It wasn't about a location. It wasn't about geography. It was... It was this vision, this passion that we had. And uh, so you are just continuing that expression uh, here. And I am uh, so excited about what God is doing in our midst here in Mount Laurel. For those of you who are a part of the invite thing that you, that we're doing, so if you were involved in Chick-fil-A uh, yes, yes, Friday, uh, if you were a part of that, thank you for doing that. I hear there were thousands of people um, all there to hear about Hope. Uh, not true. Chicken and <laughs> trunk or treat, uh, but they heard about Hope through you guys, and I'm I'm just really grateful for that, and uh, excited about the one that we'll be doing in the Voorhees, where thousands, as they've said, thousands of people come through our building for a craft fair, and uh, and a number of people have actually begun coming to Hope because they have such a great experience at the craft fair and say, well, let's check out what's going on in that place uh, on a Sunday. So that's all good. Um, Just one other announcement I wanted to make, um, something that's going on tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Voorhees campus. Uh, Bishop John Scholl, uh, the area bishop for the United Methodist Church in New Jersey, Will be at Hope seven o'clock in the uh, worship space. Um, there's going to be a gathering in February of Methodists from around the world, um, and it's a special meeting uh, where they're going to be discussing uh, a way forward in the, the um, issue of um, sexual ethics and how the church, what the church's position will be. Um, in uh, areas around sexual uh, ethics, I guess. Um, So Bishop Scholl is going to be sharing with us about uh, that, some of the history of that, um, and what to expect. I I suspect uh, that come February it will be in the media, and uh, so I wanted to make sure that the first thing that people from Hope hear is not something on uh, one of the one of the news stations, but that you've heard it at least first um, uh, directly. So if you can make it, that'd be great. Um, We're in a series where we're talking about the way of Jesus, and it's really a series of series. And so this first series that we're wrapping up today has been four weeks on prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus prayed. Jesus demonstrated prayer. Jesus valued prayer, Jesus taught prayer. And so this morning, as we wrap up the series, I want to talk about how to pray, what Jesus said about how to pray. But before that, I want to talk about the why. I've been really um, challenged over the last couple of months by this idea of the why drives the how, that so often we, in, in many aspects of our lives, we are more concerned about how, how we do things, you know, the tactical things, um, and we forget the why, the vision, the motivation for things that we do. And this applies in all aspects of our lives, including prayer. So before we talk about how to pray, I want to say a couple of things about why do we pray or why should we pray? And I say we, really it's you. Why do, should you pray? If prayer is not a part of your life, you know, why should it be? Why, why should you be making the effort to pray if that's not something that you're already, you're already doing? So really two things I wanna highlight real quickly um, on the question of why. And the first answer to the question of why is because it's connected to the greatest commandment. It's connected to the greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love God with all you've got. Prayer is one of the ways that we express our love for God, our love to God. Now, there's lots of ways that we do that. We worship so this is an expression of your love for God by gathering here on these at the beginning of a week and, and singing praise and praying together and being in fellowship. It's an act of worship. It's an act of love to God. Serving is another way that we express um, the way that we love God, and so is prayer. You know, I, I love my wife, and there's lots of ways that I express to her my love for her. One of the ways I express it is every night before I go to bed, I prepare the coffee for tomorrow morning. I know, it's, that deserves more of an awe than, than just that. <laughs> this is like a big deal every night before I go to bed. And sometimes if I forget, I go back downstairs, right? I get the coffee thing ready. We've got a timed deal so, you know, it goes off at the same time in the morning. I get up. I go downstairs in the morning, I pour her coffee, I bring it up and give her coffee in bed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this dude is awesome. Right? Now, forget about all the stuff she does for me, like, you know, it makes me dinner every night and all the big things. I make coffee, so I feel like I'm a big deal. Um, but that's just one way that I express my love for her, but really... The most intimate times that we spend together in our relationship are those times where we are just kind of face to face and we're talking about what's going on in our lives. Sharing with her what's going on in my heart, what things I'm struggling with, what things I'm thinking about, hopes and dreams and sharing about my day and hearing about her day. Those are some of the most intimate times in a relationship, right? That's the nature of prayer. Prayer is this intimate time with God, where you're sharing with God what's on your heart, what's in your mind, and so forth. It is an act of love. So why do I pray? I pray because the greatest commandment is to love God with all I've got, and the most intimate expression of that is is prayer. There's a second reason that I pray, and that is because it works. It's just practical. I pray because it matters. It makes a difference. The Bible says that the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. Prayer works. Things change when I pray. Sometimes circumstances change when I pray. When people pray, things change. Things happen. You are here today because a group of people prayed. When we were talking about this idea of starting a campus in Mount Laurel, we had no people, we had no place to meet, we had no plan, we had no money. We just had this sense that God might be calling us to do this. And so we asked folks um, in Voorhees, if they would join us in praying about launching a campus in Mount Laurel. For 30 days, 300 people committed to praying every day about this. And every day we would send out a little prayer request about a specific aspect of what would be involved in in starting a new campus in Mount Laurel. And at the end of that time, we just felt, yeah, the Spirit is really moving and we're going to do this. We have no plan. We have no people. We have no place. We have no money. And so here we are. This church is now, this, this uh, gathering is now how old? We started in January, so what month is this? Ten, ten months. Ten months. The money we needed showed up. The plan got developed. People said, yeah, I'd like to be a part of it. God was responding. God was leading. God was directing. It matters. Prayer matters. It changes circumstances. Now, sometimes we don't get to see it quite as dramatically, quite as immediately. Sometimes the change happens gradually over time. Sometimes we may not actually see how God responded to our prayers and so we we walk by faith knowing that God calls us to pray and God honors our prayers even when we don't see them realize the way that we may have expected or wanted them and that's the ultimate change that prayer changes me when I pray it changes me my perspective changes my priorities change my focus changes, my heart changes. So why do I pray? I pray because it's an act of love to God, and I pray because it works, it matters. Prayer makes a difference. So that's the why. I want to kind of shift now and talk about the how. How do we pray? And, you know, there's lots of answers to that. Um, Ultimately, you know, simply, it's just a conversation with God. We kind of know that. Um, But one of the problems I find in my own prayer life is when I'm not really thinking about it, I can easily fall into ruts of prayer, prayer ruts. Have you ever been in a prayer rut? It's not a good place. A prayer rut is, you know, where I'm praying the same kind of prayer over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? So one prayer rut I can get into is all I'm praying is thank you. God, thanks for this day. God, thank you for the blessings in my life. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, there's nothing wrong with a thank you prayer, right? That's a good thing. It's good to give God thanks, to be grateful for the good things that he does. But if that's all I'm praying, then my focus is too narrow. It's It's not really a relationship at that point. It's just me, you know saying, hey, thanks. So that's, that's one rut I get into. Another rut that you can get into in prayer is praying for stuff for yourself. You know, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, help me with this. God, help me with that. Me, 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 right? The focus becomes on what I want, what I need, me. Nothing wrong with praying for yourself. It's perfectly acceptable. It's important to be praying for yourself. But if that's all I'm praying, that's a rut. Or likewise, if all I'm praying for is stuff beyond me, you know, praying for the world events, praying for um, other people and their needs and so forth. Because oh, I can't pray for myself. That's not right. Um, I miss the mark there as well. So prayer needs to be more holistic. So in teaching about prayer, Jesus gave us this holistic kind of. Um, prayer that we can pray that calls us out of ruts and into a more holistic kind of expression um, of my relationship with God. So, fortunately, Jesus' disciples asked him, teach us to pray. I'm so glad they did. What if they hadn't asked that? Well, they did. So, they asked the question, and... It's stuck for Matthew and it's stuck for Luke. Those guys not only heard it and remembered it, they wrote it down for the rest of us. And so just before he gave them the prayer that we're about to read, the, the Lord's Prayer, we now call it, um, Jesus wanted them to know two things um, not to do when they pray. Don't pray for a show and don't pray... Um, using lots and lots of words and so forth. So he pointed out two um, misguided whys. Some people pray for a show. I want to show my religion. I want to show my faithfulness. I want to show that I'm spiritual, and so I like to pray in public places. For somebody in my position, this is, this is a caution, right? So it's not a show. It's to be done in private. And it's not about your eloquence of words. It's not about how many words you use. It's not about using the right words like it's some kind of incantation, and if I just say these words over and over and over and over and over again, that that's somehow going to uh, move God. It was, when you pray, pray like this. So... The words to the Lord's Prayer that we're going to read, this is from a translation of Scripture, the uh, New Living Translation, the NLT. The words are going to be on the screen, and what I'm going to ask you to do is to join me in reading this prayer out loud, and we'll just kind of make it um, our prayer together this morning. All right, so let's get the words on the... There they are. Our Father in heaven... May our. Keep going, yeah, that's good. All right, we're going to start again. That was my bad. That was totally my bad. I'm not a choir director, so I'm not as good at this. All right, so we're going to do this together. We're going to read it together. Ready? And one, two, three, go. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So, knowing that this was going to be part of this series, I have been, for my personal prayer life, I've been using the Lord's Prayer to guide my prayer life, and it's been kind of powerful, I've got to say. And so, I just want to take you through some reflections on this prayer and things that that I think are helpful. So, first thing that Jesus said was, when you pray, pray like this. What he didn't say was, pray this prayer. He said, pray like this. The word like this in the Greek is hotos, and it translates in the manner of. Pray in the manner of this. Pray like this. In other words, he was giving us kind of an outline for prayer, a blueprint for prayer, not pray this prayer. And of course, we all ignored it, and we just prayed the prayer anyway right? So I think he was trying to give us a model for how to pray in a more holistic kind of way. When you pray, pray in the manner that I'm going to share with you now. Our Father. It starts with the plural. Our. This is the God of the planet. This is the God of all people. There aren't multiple gods. There isn't a Jewish God and a Hindu God and a Christian God and a Catholic God and a Protestant God and a Methodist God. There is God. The God that Jesus described as the God who loved the world so much that he sent his son. He loved people. He loves his creation. Our Father. The word Father here that Jesus used was not Abba. For those of you who have been around this kind of teaching, you, you may know that the word Abba uh, that Jesus sometimes used to refer to God is a more uh, familiar, a more intimate kind of expression to God, a, almost like a daddy kind of thing. He didn't use that word. Both Luke and Matthew record that he used the word, can be about the male head of the household kind of guy, but it can also refer to both parents together, or it can refer to an originator, one who was the first in uh, in a system, right? So in the United States, when we teach children about George Washington, we say George Washington was the father of our nation, right? He is the pater of our nation. He's not literally, right, the father. He was the originator. He was the founder. He was the first among Americans, so to speak. God is the creator. He is the first. Everything, God, our creator, who lives in a dimension beyond this physical dimension, right? Our Father in heaven. God is not confined by time and place. He lives outside of that. Our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. That word holy is to be separate, to be set apart, to be utterly unique. So I think what Jesus is doing here is he's saying the God that we're praying to is the God of all creation, the God of all people, who is utterly different than creation, who is the first. This is not, it, it, and, and here's the reason I think this is important. Sometimes when we pray, our God is too small. We're afraid to ask God for anything because we don't think God is big enough. We're afraid that, well, God has got more important things to do. He's too busy for me, and all of this kind of stuff that we have um, that keeps us from really praying to God. Jesus wanted us to know the nature of the one to whom we are praying. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a recognition as we pray that there are two kingdoms, they used to call it kingdoms, the kingdom of the world The kingdom of the world is broken. Sin is a reality. And we desire the kingdom of God to be realized in this life. So when you are watching the news and you hear and see things and you go, how is this possible? how do people behave this way? When you hear about somebody walking into a synagogue while a child, an infant, is being named. In our tradition, it would be the equivalent of a baptism, and somebody walks in and begins to kill people. And you ask yourself, how It's the kingdom of the world, and you are standing on the threshold of saying, I want something different. I want something better. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's the nature of this prayer. So when you pray about something like we just heard about with the tree of life synagogue when you hear about someone sending pipe bombs through the mail because of political differences a different view of how things ought to be and you want a different kind of country a different kind of world that's your prayer god your kingdom come your will be done Here and now, please, God. I was going to read a a description of heaven in Revelation 21, but I've been blathering on and I'm way behind now. So it's a great scripture. It says, Hey, you know, God's creating this new thing, this new heaven, this new earth, and there's not going to be All of the brokenness of this world will not be present in that. And uh, that's what we long for. That's what we long for. Lord, I want your will, I want your way to be present in my life. I want to live a kingdom life now. I want that for me. Help me to live a kingdom life. Not a kingdom of this world, but a kingdom of heaven kind of life. Give us this day our daily bread. You know how you know you're rich? You know how you know you're rich? You didn't wake up this morning and wonder if you were going to eat. Millions and millions and millions of people woke up this morning and wondered if they'll have a meal today. And so when I hear and when I pray Give me this day my daily bread. Like, I know I'm going to have my daily bread. In fact, I need less daily bread. <laughs> that ought to be my prayer, you know. Help me not to eat so much bread today. So in that moment, you know, my prayer is I'm going through the Lord's Prayer for taking care of the daily things that I need for life. Thank you for the food. Thank you for a place uh, to call my home that's warm in the cold and it's cool in the hot. And thank you for the clothes I wear. Thank you for all of that. But you know what's come to my mind as I've been praying that part of the Lord's Prayer? Help me, God, to use my resources well. Because I know that there are people who don't have the things that they need. And so I can contribute some of what I have so maybe they don't have to worry as much about their daily bread. May that be true of me as an individual. May that be true of us as a community of faith. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Call it trespasses, call it debts, whatever, you know, your tradition may have been. Ultimately, it's forgive me my sins. And so real quick on that, you know, when I'm using this as a pattern for prayer, I'm not supposed to be praying about things in general. Lord, forgive me my sins. I'm sure I've got them. I don't know what they are, but, you know, forgive them. Confession in prayer is saying to God specifically, here's where I blew it today. Here's where my actions, my words, my behavior fell short of your perfect standard. I did this today. And God, I am sorry. Forgive me. The way that I spoke to this person, the way that I... Missed this opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. The way that, that um, my attitude towards something, you know, to specifically lay out ways that I fell short and asking God to forgive. Knowing full well that God forgives. When we ask, God forgives. It's the beauty of it, right? All we have to do is ask and God forgives. I love that. You know what I don't love? The next part. Forgive us our sins as what? Don't you hate that part? No, that's not really what I want. What I really want is God, forgive me my sins, period. Not in the way that I forgive others their sins against me, but that's part of the deal. God, I want you to forgive me in the same way that I'm going to forgive others. Again, it comes back to love. We love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, all that. That's what Jesus said, right? And then he said, and the second great commandment is like it. Love your what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. I love God. I have to love my neighbor and you cannot love somebody without forgiveness because inevitably people will hurt you, disappoint you, offend you. And so the exercise of forgiveness of others is essential to our faith, essential to our relationship with God, essential to our own need for forgiveness. I think maybe Matthew got that wrong. Maybe Jesus didn't really say that. What do you think? Can we cross it out? I think Jesus may have thought they might actually try and do that. So here's what He said. He ended that prayer and the very next thing that Jesus said, it's in verses 14 and 15, it'll be on the screen, He said this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. He's not kidding. Forgiveness is essential. So as you go through this as a prayer model and you're asking God to forgive your sins, to also be mindful of who do I need to forgive today? And it's not, you know, it's funny. As I've been doing this exercise, I've been realizing how I harbor some resentments against people. You know, and if you had asked me weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, really? There isn't anybody I need to forgive. You know, I'm pretty good with everybody. But as I've been going through this exercise, like, oh, yeah, you know what? I really, you know, when I think about that guy, I think that guy's a jerk. Maybe I've got some forgiveness to do there. So, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God does not tempt, James tells us. And so we're asking God, God, lead me away from the temptation. Lead me away from the temptation. You know the things that tempt you. That tempt you away from the man or the woman that you desire to be. We all have them. So, God, when I get tempted, lead me away from that and protect me from the evil one. It's a powerful prayer. When you use it as an outline, as a blueprint for prayer, it takes you into some great conversation with God, a deeper intimacy with God, and so I want to just take a few moments at the end of our time now, um, to just give you an opportunity to pray through this. So I'm going I'm to lead you, uh, lead us through it real briefly, and uh, and this will be our closing. So let's pray together. creator of everyone, of everything, who lives beyond the confines of this world. Your name is holy. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we Imagine that you are far smaller than you are. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done here as it is there. Lord, as we think about the brokenness of this planet. The brokenness of our nation. Of our state. Of our town. Of our own home. We desire your kingdom. May the values of your kingdom be our values. God, thank you for providing for the things that we need for life. Food and clothing, places to live. And so much more. Lord, help us to be generous. Forgive us for our sins that we name in silence before you now. Lord, forgive us in the same way that we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so we name those people before you, God, asking that we might be forgiving. Lord, lead us away from those things that tempt us, that take us in directions that we know are going to cause destruction, are going to damage our relationship with you and with others, and protect us from the evil of this world, God, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Hey, have a great week.